here that happens when you don't turn on the mic now you got it on so what's happening folks it is tuesday night on a raw day down here in tampa as the studio window here shows a lot of mist on the window but tonight first of all thanks to everyone who watched and was a part of episode 100 we really do appreciate everyone our former guests our friends everyone who tuned in that day we appreciate the love and support you guys gave us but tonight we start yet another, I guess, maybe legacy, if you want to call it here, as we start off with episode 101. And the best way to start off episode 101 would be with one of the two original Murphs in Philly. But this Murph, of course, used to talk about the weather out there at 6ABC in Philly. So former meteorologist David Murphy is on with us tonight as we'll be getting into a little bit as far as his history when it comes to being on TV, how it all got started, and then what's he doing now? Then we'll get into some other things as we get our pregame set up here. Eagles are on in about uh, just a little under 40 or I guess 50 so minutes. So we'll get into some pregame talk here and talk about who's in, who's out. So that should be fun. And as always, I always have the Godfather on the other side of the intro here. So tune in tonight. Thank you for everyone tuning in. Thank you for everyone who listens overseas to the download down in Brazil and all over stateside. We really appreciate it. So with that being said, I'm Angel. This is episode 101 on Broad Street Tell. Now, as always, I say it all the time, and it's the honest God truth. I cannot do the show without the man on the other side of here. It is Fuji, also known as the Godfather. It's Gene, Gene, the dancing machine. What's up, Fuji? How's it going? Week 15, birds back after two weeks, after a two-day layoff. Let's get this party started. Murph's in the building. How are you, Angel? I am doing just fantastic. It is, once again, about uh, 64, 65 kind of raw degrees down here in Tampa. Rare that we have a super rainout type of day that we've had. But, hey, it's the winter time. First day of winter, but I'll take 64 over a lot of places where I see it's 28 and 34 degrees. So I'll I'll definitely take it. It's been a little roll up here the last couple of days, freezing. It's supposed to get warm, I believe, by weeks and happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And let's bring in Dave Murphy when you can. Yes, sir. Well, that's coming up right now as we've been waiting since, oh, I don't know, maybe 31 years since he's been on the broadcast here. So, <laughs> Murph, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, Murph. This is, this is really a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. No problem. Thank you Glad so much. Have you. <laughs> Listen, we talked a little bit off air, and it's a fun part about doing a show that sometimes you get a little bonus time before everyone comes on air here. But, uh, Murph, thanks you know, first and foremost, 31 years in the industry. I know 17 years, if I remember correctly, uh, as far as with doing the weather on 6ABC, which is nothing to obviously to laugh at because that's a lot of work, many years, and we know getting up at oh dark 30 in the morning must be really nice not to no longer do anymore. Yeah, that's that was kind of the idea. The whole plan for the last few years was to try and just stay long enough to get my kids all squared away and to and to get us in the position we we could do this. But yeah, it was um it was 17 years doing the morning show with uh, Matt Tam and Karen and occasionally Matt Pelman. Uh, prior to that, I was on weekend weather duty early mornings for seven years and 31 at the station. I started as a reporter, but really it was the last 18 years where I just kind of was like. How much longer do I really want to 
be getting up between like 2.50 in the morning and 3.20. And uh, it was zero more days in the end. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really enjoying myself now. That's right. Listen, I don't I don't blame you because I'm up at 3.30 in the morning. So I at least it's tough to be up that early. For one, I've been doing it for many, many years. I guess if you include the military history behind it, you're looking at since 1997. And most of the jobs I've, I've had since, even while I was in Philly and then down here in Tampa, I still get up at ODARC 30. At one point, I guess I'll be able to finally say that's it. Maybe when I hit the lottery, who knows? But Or I get to retire from my full-time job and actually do this full-time. But it's, it's, it's tough to make that sacrifice because you end up missing a lot with your family, You know, whether it's the kids, whether it's a graduation, because you have to be up so early and be dedicated to it that it's hard that you get to miss so many different events and so many different things. And when you work Monday through Friday, although I'm pretty sure you celebrate like the rest of us as far as when it came to the Super Bowl, but you know, it is tough because you have to work around your schedule so much. And I couldn't even imagine going to bed at about 7 30, 8 o'clock at night when the summertime, the sun's still up, and then you're trying to catch some snooze before you end up to get up that early. So I, I can only imagine the sacrifices that you had to make. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, one of the nice things about retiring, actually, is that I'm getting together with a lot of my old friends who I really neglected all those years when I was uh, getting up early. And the one guy, I was just at a charity thing with him uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, we've actually seen each other more times in the last three months than we had probably in the last, like, five to six, seven, eight years. And he's right, because, you know, during the week when things would come up, I just couldn't do stuff. Um, particularly as the, the hours started getting extended and we had the show going on earlier and then I was staying later for a lot of my days. So that's been really, really a, a, a nice thing. And uh, just having more energy to do other things. We talked before the show about how like I'm, I'm involved in some charity stuff now that I was always doing that sort of thing before. Uh, but now I can really invest myself in doing some things more often and some things that take a little more time that I, I just didn't have the time for before. Um, I gave platelets today at the Red Cross and I'm getting with a uh, I've done two outreaches with a, uh, a thing called Savage Sisters up in Kensington. And they do outreach for uh, people on opioids and they have safe houses where they try and get them off drugs. So I've done a couple of the outreaches now and I think I'm going to keep doing that. Dave, in your 31 years of being with um, Channel 6, what would you say is the most memorable story you covered or event? There's a couple. Of, right. There's a couple of them. Uh, road trips really come to mind. Uh, and I did. I was like the explosion reporter for a while. I was at the uh, Murray, uh, Murrah Federal Building bombing, the Atlanta uh, Park bombing, both World Trade Centers. Uh, attacks um you know a lot of those things obviously come to mind because they're big um but for our purposes oh and then there were some weather things too like doing tornado outbreaks in ohio or uh, oklahoma those things were really something and seeing the devastation from hurricanes up close a couple of times but actually one thing that pops to mind there are two of them one uh was uh after the Phillies lost the 93 World Series, Mitch Williams with the, you know, the pitch to Joe Carter and all of that. Yeah. Knuckleheads were like throwing stuff at, at his house and there yeah. were all this crazy stuff. So he flew directly back to a ranch he had in Texas. He didn't even come back to Philly with the team because, wow. you know, they, somebody at the Phillies said, hey, you know, we're having all these phone calls and stuff. So one of the producers at Channel 6 tracked them down and in this place in the middle of nowhere, Texas, it was out to the west of Dallas. And he said, yeah, sure. If you want to come down and talk to me, great. And they got me and a photographer on a plane. We zip down there. We rent a car. I'm looking at the price they they paid for these two last minute like plane tickets. And it was a large 
percentage of my annual salary. <laughs> so like, I hope God. this doesn't screw up. So we go all the way to like this little town near him, and he didn't give us the final directions. I think he wanted to make sure that we were going to actually show up. Then he gives me these directions that I thought this is a scam. It was like, right. well, go on down under this road about, you know, 10 miles, and you'll see like four telephone poles without wires, and go to the third, you know, dirt road, and then go a mile down. I mean, it was like we were out in the middle of nowhere, and lo and behold, we come up to like this fence, and like we're going down a cow path at this point. The car's going like this, right. and there's a metal sign on this fence, 99 just as it appeared on his road jersey. And we were like, thank God we found this. <laughs> wow. And then, yeah, we did this interview with him. And he was basically like, yeah, I know people are upset, but, you know, it's baseball and I'm okay. I'm not going to jump off the building and, you know, hopefully I'll be back. Right. Um, yeah. And we had to, like, dash back and I barely made page, but it was it was really fun. And another time when the Flyers were in the finals in Detroit in the late 90s, it was Eric Lindros and Ron Hextall's team. Uh <laughs> I got a channel set like a, a Flyers jersey with six on the back. And mm -hmm. I just walking around like downtown, you know, Detroit, like basically asking for an argument. And people were so nice. I even got some of them, like all these Red Wings fans, to look at the dot in the middle of the Flyers logo. Right. And they actually were like, I hypnotized them. And I got them to say the Flyers will win the Stanley Cup, which we didn't. Right. <laughs> I got swept in four. Really fun. So, uh, yeah, things like that were great. I was in Dallas once for an Eagles playoff, too, and I went like, I tracked down people who had like names of Reggie White, right. you know, and Eagles players, and asked them if they had, you know, if people ever gave them crub. And what I found out was that it was pretty chill down in Dallas. It wasn't Philly. I mean, they they were hmm. they were into their boys, but you know, they were good right. boys, and they, it wasn't the same vibe. Well, the thing of it is, it's always been Washington's always been more of the rivals than opposed to also the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't take the rivalry as personal as we do. So no, I don't think they do. But you know, they were calling them. I don't know if they still do this, but America's team always rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. America was started right here in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's true, and that's one thing I think it, as too as a fan, I I didn't like it myself either. That was always referred to as America's team, and they still are. Even though I guess if anyone really had to take that name, would have been the New England Patriots at the time for the reign that he had for over 10 years. Yeah. So if anybody was America's team, it could have been them. But yeah, it, it's the same way. We're lucky because we have Big Sarge as one of our media partners, and he's uh, he covers the Houston Texans, but he loves the Dallas Cowboys. And I know he's trying to get in with the Cowboys as well, so he does uh, work with them from time to time. But he came on with us last uh, last Wednesday, and then we ended up having so much fun with him because we he's on an Eagles podcast you know philly podcasting you know we talk about the bucks as well down here but it, he knows it so he he takes it in stride and it's a lot of fun but yeah as far as america's team no and, and i don't believe they're america's team by the way it's going to make it anywhere near further in the playoffs maybe than the divisional round but that's just me nothing against the cowboys yeah, look, just me. Surprised they they have the record they have i mean i really thought this was going to be a, a fight to the bottom in this division and you know you got to give the cowboys credit they yeah they're out front now and, yeah. and I don't know that that last game of the season is going to matter much to the Cowboys. In fact, I hope it doesn't, because if the Eagles mm. are still in it, wouldn't it be nice if, like, maybe some of their top players sat it out, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, the way their defense is playing, you know, Mika Parsons is, you know, being their number one drift pick. I mean, you got to, as much as I hate it, but I'll be a realist. And guy's been a stud. Yeah. I think he's really made a difference on that team and that defense. Yeah. It's been a bit. Yeah, go ahead. 
you know, it's just, I'm, you know, kind of shocked now. I mean, Dallas is sitting number two as the number two seed, so they could be fighting with Green Bay for that number one seed that last week. So that game could mean, you know, to me, the Eagles got to take care of business. Don't worry about the Minnesotas and the New Orleans of the world. Just went out and kicked the hell out of Dallas up and down the field come January 9th at 1 o'clock. How do you guys feel about the Giants game on short rest now because the NFL basically did what the MLS refused to do for the union mm-hmm. a few weeks back? <laughs> to me, yeah. three, three games in 13 days. I mean, this team, you know, they're at the point now. It's I heard John Clark reported that Nick Sirianni and Rodney McLeod got this team fired up in a meeting. So you're at the point where your body's – beaten up, but, you know, you go for dinner now. You want to make the playoffs. You want to make a name for yourself. You go out tonight, take care of business. Tonight, Sunday, you go to Washington January 2nd, then bring on the ultimate prize on January 9th because you just went out. Forget about everybody else trying to help you out. Yeah. I mean, it'll help, but, you know, this team, I think, you know, since they got the running game going, you got the number one running attack in football. You got – Jordan Howard, you got Miles Sanders mixing, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell. Just mix it up and, you know, you got a, a journeyman quarterback tonight. The defense just needs to step it up. And Eagles just got to come out and blow Washington off the map and just take care of business. I, I'm feeling like they will. I'm not sure which quarterback I want to go uh, tonight uh, after after <laughs> no. Well, I think I think you got to watch Jalen Hurts with that ankle injury. I I'm sure Garner Minshew's ready ready to go on the wings if you know if that ankle aggravates him at all. Yeah. But, you know, run pound the ball. You know, take take all that pressure off Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's what the heck you got a, a number one running attack for. Yeah, since like week eight, and you know, bring it. And of course, he's part of the running attack too. Um, yeah, you know, it was just it was nice seeing a guy two weeks ago. And granted, it wasn't great competition that the Eagles were facing, but you know, he was really hitting those passes. And sometimes Jalen hurts. I got to remind myself that this guy's a young quarterback, and he hasn't really played that long right in the league and i know college is tough but when you get to the pros it's a faster game i mean they say the same thing from triple a to major league baseball it's just a yeah. different game so he's got some learning to do and all of that but there's a exactly. little bit a little bit of his play that reminds me a bit of the way Dunham McNabb used to be in the first half of games you remember how he would throw at everybody's ankles like yeah. he didn't get high low in the dark low, yeah only with hurts it's like he seems to be on fire for the first you know, series and they'll score a lot. And then they kind of go away until the fourth quarter. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I think there's room for him to get better certainly. And he's facing, you know, as I said, these great defenses and stuff, even the worst defense in the NFL is probably better than most of what he saw in college. Um, but, you know, here they are in a playoff hunt. And, and part of me is like, oh, I, you know, do I want this young kid still learning on the job uh, in this game or do I not? But uh, mm. Hey, I'm a fan and I'm going to, I'm going to root for whoever. All right. Well, I mean, hey, this is, you know, this is what makes players shine. Yeah. You know, by getting into the playoffs. All right. They may not, you know, you never know a team that's dangerous coming down the stretch. Look at the Eagles a couple years ago when they won out. Yeah. Even though they didn't lose much to uh, Seattle, but, you know, Wentz, Wentz got hot at the right time and they were winning these games coming back. Yeah. So, yeah, 
it's a dangerous team. That wild card gets them in the playoffs. Who knows what could happen? Yeah, I I agree with you. And I do think they'll win tonight. I you know I, I don't want to jinx anything, but I I do feel like they they are going to have Washington's number. Um, regardless of who's in there, it's just a matter right. of how close it's going to be. The last couple of nights have been tough, though, if you're an Eagles fan, because you're turning on these games. Yeah. Like, Tom Brady's going to score some points against New Orleans, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there. I mean, I was yelling at the TV. I could, the only good thing about the last two nights and this weird schedule change that we got right now, I was on the treadmill watching football, and I probably stayed on the treadmill longer with a game than I would have from a show from Netflix. So <laughs> I'm on there doing exactly. like four miles, heavy, hard walking, you know, uh, uh, you know, and screaming at the TV the whole time. No, Brady crying on the sidelines, throwing the uh, laptop and breaking it as they showed it on TV. And, yeah. you know, him yelling at the refs, like just not getting the calls as well. And you know, then lose, yeah. lose Chris Godwin for the season, his yeah. ACL. They lost Fournette with a hamstring issue. That team's in a little bit of trouble right now. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. And, I mean, at that kickoff, they were talking about how, you know, a lot of people are picking them to win again. I don't know now, you know, not with those. Hey. You know, when you get to the playoffs, as they say, it's a different season. Yeah. You can throw the record books out the window to seedings. Yep. Sure, of course, home field always matters. But yeah. You never know. Last night was just – how many times did the Bears get into the Reds? I mean, uh, they, must have, they must have been there like five times. and they Six were, times, yeah. It's, it's a shame that defense was trying to you know, a couple interceptions. We're trying to take care of business. But that that Bears offense is in shambles. Nagy's out of there. I'm sure the GM's going to go with them too. So yeah, it looks that way, yeah. But I uh, mean, hey, that game was theirs for the taking, and they just couldn't capitalize on offense. Yeah, and that defense—you feel so bad for those the defensive guys because they did such a good job. That oh, guy, yeah. I forget his name because I don't see the Bears that often. But man, he was a monster. I mean, he was uh, the defensive it, tackle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but but they they shot themselves in the full with penalties too. Yeah. Which yeah. And, you know, bad, bad, I mean, talk about a young quarterback, you know, uh, bad choices where you're trying to run where you should be. There's a guy right there you can throw for five yards and get closer to the first down. But, you know, here I am sitting in, you know, my nice Delaware County living room and I'm acting like (laughs) in a million years, I don't know what to do in a situation like that. Hey, just like Jalen Hurts, it's just growing pains. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Um, Where is? Yeah. It's exactly where it is, and it's it's yeah. tough because yeah, it 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 makes it extremely tough. And I know a lot of people want to kind of discount Jalen Hurts, and I know it's a first year Murphy, like you said, for him. And we haven't seen first of all the entire staff. If you really look at it, it's about the first year for the Eagles, including Jalen Hurts' freshman year in the NFL. So you're asking for someone to come out like a you know I guess you want to refer to Tom Brady or even Matt Jones, to come out to something like that and to be able to play and handle that situation, everyone deals with, uh, I guess, pressure a little bit differently than than other players. But Jalen Hurts, to me, he still has a good upside to him. I don't know why. A lot of people just want to throw in the towel. I know once Gardner Mitchell came in, and we know it's against the Jets, not taking anything away from him, but he comes in, plays really well, which he did in Jacksonville. Don't know. I mean, I, I saw the fallout here in Jacksonville, but the bad part is, is that now people are saying, why don't you just keep Gardner in you? Gardner meant you in there for the remainder of the year. And so you just give up on Jalen Hurts. And I don't think you can do that. Now, the ankle injury, sure, it plays a big factor into it. And the only thing you can see, or maybe even decide upon, 
if the first half he's not playing as well because only because of his ankles bothering that much, then sure, you're bringing Gardner Minshew. If you feel like you have a good run for the playoffs, then yeah, I would rest up Jalen Hurts maybe the, the following game so he can get prepared for what you're talking about. You're looking at week 18 at that point. So you might have to do what you need to do to make sure you take care of his health. That's my only thing when it comes to Jalen Hurts. So I think the, the giving up factor, is, it's way too fast, unfortunately, in Philly. Love the city, but a lot of times everybody just wants to give up just because they don't see the product that's out there. But again, you're working with a first-year head coach, first-year OC, first-year quarterback coach. And so all these things have to come into play in order for him to get better. No, yeah. it's also, too, you know, the city just wants instant success overnight. It's not going to happen. Like, who the heck saw 2017 coming? I know I didn't. I would also say, too, that going into this season, I didn't expect them to be in the position they're in now where right. they – really do have a potential of a playoff berth. The other thing is, do you really think the Eagles are winning the Super Bowl this year? I mean, it might be better to stick with Hurts, even if, you know, even if Men Minshew looked, uh, you know, again, it was the Jets, but even though he looked good last uh, year, because you really are, you're trying to find something else or something out about this young guy. And you're trying to decide whether or not he's going to be the guy. And keep in mind, the Eagles have like a million draft picks coming up in the draft. And, you know, maybe you take the next few games to see what you got with Hertz. And I've heard some rumblings and this is, you know, media reports that they might actually think about taking another quarterback, which I I think it's a, I think it's a mistake because they're talking about this quarterback class coming out. Not to be that good. Yeah. And here. Right. But the problem of it is in Eagles history, there's always been quarterback controversies. Donovan McNabb, AJ Feely, Randall Cunningham, Jim McMahon, you know, Wentz Falls. It's like it just goes on and on. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think Angel's point's true too. People really react strongly in this town, and it doesn't take long for things to turn on a dime uh and i think it's a really tough place to be a professional athlete because wow, uh, it is. It is. You, you know you uh you basically just have to like ignore what wow. people are saying you know well it's like brian dawkins always said about phil you better you better bring your lunch pail <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i mean here's a guy from jacksonville florida hall of famer to you know he you know it's either you it's like new york it's either you can make it here or you make it anywhere you know, in this town, you got to be thick-skinned. Yeah, you do. And Just like a couple other athletes, but I'm not really going to get into that saga. <laughs> we'll sweep that under the rug. Or who for what? <laughs> uh, Ricky, who, Ricky Waters? Yeah. Ricky Waters is actually from Harrisburg. Oh, no kidding. I was talking about a guy that plays that played at the Wells Fargo Center. Oh, okay. But I'm not, I'm not saying his name. Okay. That's all right. Good. And for those who are just tuning in tonight, uh, we are live from the LG Direct Sales Solution Studios with David Murphy, former six ABC meteorologist, who's now enjoying his many great days of retirement. And uh, in case everyone missed it in the very beginning, uh, Dave was offered a five-year contract with Broadtree South to be the local correspondent. But you know, he well, <laughs> thankfully he signed it, and it's uh, it's all good. So <laughs> we'll see David for the next five years. Except for Dave, you don't have to wake up at five thirty or two thirty in the morning. <laughs> I'm just too, uh, I'm having too much fun. It's like, you know, uh, it's funny when I was thinking about retiring, you know, I had a lot of advice and, and people, including my kids were like, well, you know, what's your plan? What's, what, what's your plan? You have to have a plan if you're going to do this, like what you're going to do and all that. 
And the more I heard this and thought about this, the more I realized that everybody telling me that you have to have a plan and you have to have a rock solid idea of what's coming next are people who aren't retired. People who are retired are all like, hey, you're going to love it. <laughs> That's kind of the way I feel, too. I mean, I, I, I had a list of like to do stuff that, you know, I was going to do just like repairs on the house and stuff. I could turn the camera around and show you a nice hole in my ceiling that I just dug out because I had the roof work done there. And now I got to get the plaster done. But uh, I, I lost it before I retired. And I didn't bother writing it again because it just doesn't matter. It's like, you know, I get up in the morning and I or maybe the night before I'm thinking, well, the weather's good. Maybe I'm going out and doing something in the yard or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go see a movie or, or something like that, you know. Uh, you just sort of take it day by day, and it, it's really been really been a lot of fun. Oh, there's Pat. Oh my God, what's up, Pat? Rem. That's like my dad's been the same way too. After he retired, uh, he's 81 years old. God bless him. But he the same way too. He he when he first retired, he didn't want to fully retire, so he ended up finding a part time job, which turned into a full time job. But then he ended up retiring for the second time, and mm -hmm. then he finally decided to kick back. Picked up yet another part-time job because he just, he wanted to move around. And then moving down here to Florida, he did the same thing. Did it part-time for about, I want to say, a good five years. Uh, again, just to keep himself mobile. Now he's finally decided, you know what, that's enough. I'm good. I'm 81 years old. And now it's time to kick back and relax. And I can't blame the man. My dad's been working all his life. And I mean, for my sister and I, always supported us. Always made sure there was food on the table, that we had clothes on our back. And I, I can't thank the man enough for doing what he's done for us for many, many years. And God bless him. And he's the oldest living out of the Martinez side of the household. So I'm hoping that he can extend that record. So at least I have something to look forward to at the age of 81 years old, if I can keep doing this, even when I'm 81, but you know, I, I say it in jest, but I, I would imagine Dave, I mean, again, just for the, for the many hours that you have to wake up and then being at the broadcast. And as we talked about too, prior to coming on air here is that the, when you're with a great team, the fun part is, is that you love coming to work. You love doing what you do. And I say to my co-hosts all the time, when this stops being fun, that's when the show's over. Regardless of whoever you're with or anything else, it always, when it be, when it stops being fun, it's over. So to me, with, with you guys in the morning, and we've seen, you know, the, the turn of different uh, correspondents, your local anchors in the morning, they switch from the morning to the afternoon and vice versa. Yeah. But I, I would have to say the, the longest tenure that you had in the morning with the crew that you were with in the morning, it had to be fun to come into work knowing that everyone got along. Even if you guys had an off day, you know, just within the studio within itself, but you would never see it because on TV, the only thing we saw was the actual product that we love to see in Philly. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I really appreciate the compliments and, and I will accept that on behalf of all of my friends over there at six ABC. Um, the one nice thing about the station is they do tend to leave people in place and you can grow together and get to know each other. Um, you know, broadcast is a funny business. Sometimes it can attract like big egos, but we never had that problem on the morning team. We just all really got along. And I think that kind of came across and that's probably what you're, what you're recognizing. And it, it's what made it tougher for me to leave because, you know, I did feel like I was kind of pulling away and, and ending this 17 year run that we all had. Um, and my personal feeling about it is, uh, I'm not sure if you looked around the country or, or in North America, if you would find anywhere, a, an anchor team, a four person anchor team that stayed together for 17 years on that shift, because it's yeah. hard. And what I told all of those guys, as I was getting ready to leave was, you know, I'm 10 years older than all of them. They're, they're spring chickens compared to me. And I felt like it really got 
the, the hours and the physicality of it uh, and the strain just not really, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's as hard as a lot of jobs because it wasn't. Um, but there is like a, a kind of a mental pounding that goes on in your head. And I, and I felt like it got worse in my late 50s and early 60s that right around then, I felt like it had more to do with age than the years I've been doing it. Not that 17 is nothing, but, you know, right. I really felt like, you know, in a way I felt like I wasn't uh, in some cases doing as good of a job as I could have been. Like I would be, you know, in, in weather, you don't have a script. It's extemporaneous speaking. You're just referring to the graphics that you've built and you've put together. Right. Uh, and sometimes I would have that word I'm trying to find and trying to look for. Unfortunately, when you're a weather guy, you can sort of joke around and stuff. And I would make a joke out of it, but that, that was really starting to happen a little more often than I wanted. <laughs> and I almost worried that like, am I like going to be like this all the time? And, you know, as it turns out now that I'm sleeping better and I'm, I'm not really under any sort of stress or worrying about things, uh, my brain's back and I'm, I'm not having those pregnant pauses as much. So I think for me, it was the right thing. But Angel, to your point, like your dad went and got a second career. I mean, who knows what the future holds for me? I, something could still be out there. I'm just not really looking for it right now. But I do think that retirement is it's a big decision. What I've told people is it's personal, <clears throat> different for everybody. And it occurred to me while I was thinking about doing it and then sort of planning the end of it, you know, coming down the wire, that uh, it's it's one of those uh really big things that you decide in your life. I mean, for me, it was right up there with what am I going to do for a career and who am I going to marry? And, uh, you know, am I going to have kids and, you know, stuff like that? Am right. I going to retire? It's big and it's different for everybody. And I don't begrudge people who are like, hey, you know what? I, I like working and I like my job. And, and like you said, uh, you know, if it's still fun and it's still, you know, right. your boat, then go for it, you know. Uh, for me, you know, it was fun, but it really was having like a physical and a mental toll on me. And, you know, I, I from the beginning, have always been a guy who uh, I can say this now because I'm not working for anybody. I, I always gave 110 percent to every job because I always felt like if somebody's going to go to the trouble to like pay me to do something, they should get their money's worth. Um, exactly. so, you know, so I, I had a good work ethic and all those guys on that show did. Um but uh, I, in my heart, I was always a uh, not a live to work, but a work to live kind of guy. Um, yeah. And the thing that really excited me was the stuff I could do outside of work with my kids. And, and you know, Channel 6 and all the people who watched me all those years and supported us and gave us the great ratings and all that made that part of my life possible, which in turn fed back into me wanting to keep really producing and really doing well at the job. Um, but, you know, we we're able to do some really nice trips with the kids. Uh, my wife and I still travel. Um, Disney owning six ABC was great when you were bringing a family up because all of a sudden we had, you know, free admission to the parks and half price hotels and stuff. So we went down to Disney a lot with the kids. Um, and I still get those benefits now. So, I mean, <laughs> I've, <laughs> nice. and I've been to the Awalani in Hawaii. I, you know, I've already <laughs> taken advantage of a couple of their, their freebies or their discounts and stuff as a retiree. Um, so I guess the the circling back, the point I would make is that it was right for me and it was mm -hmm. the right time. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, I don't begrudge for a second people who are like, well, I'm liking my life the way it is. And I just want to stick with it. Right. Dave, as far as working with Jim Gardner, I mean, you know, a Philly icon. Yeah. Forty five plus years. What what was it when you first started working with him and as you just retired? Did he give you like any words to, you know? He's, 
he sent me a very nice email uh, saying that, you know, he appreciated the years I had put in there. He would have been one of the guys who I probably would have been hiding in the corner if I saw him walking the other way because I, you know, I feel like I'm ditching out on him, you know, right. too, leaving at 62 instead of staying to 65 or, or even later. Uh, Dave Roberts, who I just saw at dinner the other night, he's looking great. Uh, he he stuck around into his early 70s, I think, if I'm recalling. Yeah. Um, uh, but I remember walking into the newsroom the first day that I was coming in after I'd been hired, and there's Vern Odom standing there. And, you know, Jim's over here, and uh, Lisa Thomas-Laurie and Mark Howard. And I'm looking at these people, and I'm like, it's kind of awestruck. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to actually be a part of this. I mean, it was crazy. And as a reporter, when I first got hired, I, I always looked at myself as sort of a small cog in the wheel. I mean, you're on air, but you're really just sort of this guy over here helping this whole big machine go. Yeah. Um, and little did I know I was going like, to have this opportunity to move into weather, which I did not anticipate when I uh, when I first got the job there. Um, so it was pretty crazy uh <laughs> you know getting your foot in the door and by the way i i grew up seven miles from the station and i desperately wanted to come back to philadelphia my wife and i had met at temple university her family was here my family and friends were here my phillies mm -hmm. sports teams were here uh but i only applied for channel six because i knew that if i came back to philly i wanted a long career and the other stations you know they don't have longevity sometimes yeah. as channel six does um, so I kind of took a chance, I guess, and that I sort of limited myself, but I had that goal of this is what I want. And fortunately it worked out. As far as another, um, news colleague of yours, what was it like working with Gary pop after oh, yeah. everything he went through? Gary was, uh, he was a super action news guy. Uh, he was just really into the station He'd be another guy if he was still around. I'd be apologizing to for leaving, you know, until there was the last breath of my body because he really was, really was, he was just Philly first of all, and uh, uh, and and you know when you would first come into Channel Six as a young person, they they expected you to be on it. I mean, my uh, my first reporter shift was weekends, of course, because seniority, you know, that's the way you started. But then I was in earlier than the other reporters, which meant whatever blew up or, you know, crazy stuff that happened overnight. That was usually my my story. And uh, so I got this idea right away that, wow, they're not taking it easy on the new guy. They want you to, like, step into the fire and, and do something with it. And the other thing about big market TV is that they don't really, you know, sit there and try and, like, you know, tap you on the shoulder or, or say, hey, good job or anything like that. You pretty much were just doing the work. You wouldn't necessarily hear a whole lot of uh, feedback. You know, you were just sort of hoping that, you know, you were doing a good enough job for everybody. Gary was somebody who uh, acknowledged that and sort of recognized that. And he pulled me aside one time uh, early on, a couple of few times, actually, and just said, I just want you to know you are really hitting all the right notes here. You're doing a really good job. And, you know, coming from that guy, it was like, oh, geez, I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Um, and, you know, when he was getting ill, I was filling in on weather at that point quite a bit. So I was doing the 11 o'clock news every now and then. Um, and uh, it was it was hard. He just really wanted to keep doing the job. And, you know, God bless him. They, they really, like, let him do it as much as he could. Um, toward the end, you know, obviously he was he was pretty sick, but he was still, you know, 
doing it together. And I remember the last time I worked with him, um, and I remember this with Jim Gardner a few times over the years, they had a, uh, a uh, tradition where after the 11 o'clock show, everybody left the studio together. And if I was there, you know, uh, part-time filling in and just wanting to do some last-minute things on the computer or put my numbers away or something like that, they'd wait. And they'd be like, no, come on, we have to walk out of here together um, as a team. Um, and uh, yeah, it really was. It was a nice gesture. Um, and, you know, they did that for Gary the last time I was working for him or with him, too. He was just a really good guy. Matt O'Donnell really got along with him real well, too. And they had sort of like a, a bond. And of course, we would do the Gary Papa run, you know, for prostate cancer. They were doing for a while there, too. And mm -hmm. uh, he was there for the last couple of those. But yeah, it was really tough. But you know what? I mean, that's life. You got to live it to the fullest. And uh, yeah. back on Gary, and I'm glad you asked that question because what I think about is how nice he was to me when oh. I was uh, a, pup, a puppy there, you know? Not to get on the past, but I know they said that about Jim O'Brien, live life to the fullest. And yeah. They said he was like a guy that was just full of life. And yeah. From what I've heard, yeah. Uh, he was gone by the time I got the job there. But, right. uh, but you know, I actually was watching the Phillies. I heard he passed away from Mark Allen because <laughs> uh, I was watching the Phillies and he said, well, you know, we want to, you know, pass along our condolences to, you know, everybody over at Channel 6. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, but from what you hear, yeah, he was a very like type A driven guy. Right. Another real big fan of, you know, this is, we are a team and this is mm -hmm. a lot of them like that were that way. Um, and you know, I was too, I mean, I, I had a, a real, uh, affinity for my, my show, especially and and the, you know, how hard the people on it worked and not just Matt, Tam, Karen and, and Matt Pellman and me, but you know, the behind the scenes people, the crew, all right. Are, producers and all some of those producers come in at 11 o'clock at night and work overnight to get that show ready wow and really talented people um but you know i i honestly thought that if i stuck around too much longer i wouldn't be doing them any favors because i just thought the quality of my work was going to start suffering so i think uh, i don't want to do that to them either plus karen's job filling in for me and i know she's <laughs> 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 I think the big thing is right. You know, there's a lot of producers that, that obviously don't get what people don't get to see is obviously to put the product in front of you. It takes a lot of work behind the scenes in order to make that work. And, and a lot of producers don't have the opportunity of coming in front of the TV, you know, whether it's in front of, a, you know, or even on radio, because it's, it's the guys that work behind the glass who do a lot of hard work. And then if you, if you're creating your own show and putting all that work in and then coming out there to see what the product is, sometimes you're happy with it. And sometimes you just thought, you know what, if I just tweak this a little bit more, it would have made it a little bit better. So yeah, it, a lot of kudos to a lot of producers out there and, and people who try to make things work because it's hard. It's, it's not easy work. And even for you guys to be set up to make sure everything runs properly. It, it's just, it's a lot of hard work. So it's a lot of appreciation as far as I know for Fuji myself, because you know what we get to do behind the scenes here to make this happen. It is a lot of hours that you end up putting in, but you're happy with, what the product and result is at the end of it. So yeah, you're absolutely right. There's not enough credit. And as far as getting back to Gary Papa and Rick, I'm going to bring up your three uh, comments here momentarily, but with Gary Papa, you're, you're absolutely right. You would never hear the man complain until the very end, but never see in his face, nothing. He was a true champion to the very end. It was yeah. incredible. And he just loved what he was doing. He loved Philadelphia. He loved the sports fans. I think that that all came out. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of us over there realize how lucky we were to be in that place in a place where you could have a long career in broadcasting, which is not always easy. Um, but uh, Gary just, he just 
loved Channel 6. He really did. And he loved Philadelphia and he loved the Philly sports man. So uh, I think that came out. He was a great yeah. guy. Yeah. Rick, uh, he brings up three, three good, uh, three goings here. He says that I'm seeing Flyers and Capitals commercials on TV. Did not get the message. Apparently, the cancellation of the NHL game tonight, or at least postponed once again because of COVID. And the last time, Murph, which is kind of funny that that happened tonight. So my producer and I, Debbie, were supposed to go to a game back in February of nineteen, or twenty nineteen, before COVID all pretty much got canceled. We were. I had tickets because of one of our coworkers who actually retired uh, last year. She said, my husband and I decided we didn't want to go to the game tonight. He just wanted to stay home. He was kind of scared of everything that's going on. Here's the tickets. And an hour before we were supposed to go down to the game, sure enough, it was canceled because of COVID. So kind of ironic the way things work. Yeah, man. <clears throat> I think I saw where the NHL players have decided they're not going to Beijing too because of COVID. Don't, don't, don't mark me on that, but I saw, I can't remember the source is why I'm hesitating, but I think it was, you know, philly.com, mm. ABC news or something like that. Um, right. So, yeah. yeah. Crazy times we live in, man. The report was, they said they weren't going to Beijing. So any game, any NHL games now will be made up in that. Oh, time in that time frame. period. Oh, well that makes right. Yeah. Well, that came out today. That helps because, you know, assuming, you know, you're in an arena where you're only doing battle with like the Sixers schedule, you probably right. could have been some games in there. Yeah. yeah unless, they book, unless they book concerts, you know, but, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> you so know. true. Uh, Rick also says, Dave is welcome to try his luck down here with this crazy weather in Florida. <laughs> and then he says, uh, his other comment was, I'm wondering what was the most memorable moment while I was doing the weather besides saying goodbye. Oh yeah. Saying goodbye was big. Um, okay. So there was a time when I was filling in early on in my weather career uh, and uh, Rick and Monica were still on the morning show. And Rick used to make these jokes all the time when there was like a shot of people at a charity event dancing, he'd always say, Oh, there's Monica dancing. And she'd be like, Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so I tried it one time It was before weather and there's, you know, people dancing. And I said, look, there's Monica. Well, Monica decided to get me back. So I started doing the full, uh, the full weather was what we call the full three minute forecast. Monica gets up in the middle of this and walks over right next to the uh, lens of the camera and starts doing this, like, you know, <laughs> and I got like thunderstorms and stuff. I'm supposed to be talking about them. Like, might actually like damage your house that day. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. All right. So then I'm over there. I'm talking to the guy. And I walked to the five day. It was the five day board at the time. And now Rick Williams is in the anchor, standing on top of the anchor desk and he's doing like, oh my God. I, I just started laughing so hard. I, I don't know if anybody ever really got the idea of the forecast was because all I could say, I'm holding my gut, and all I could say is, I think I'm going to have to quit. <laughs> I get back on the three shot and they're like, what, you know, what was that all about? And you know, oh my God. Uh, so that was pretty that was pretty funny. And uh, there was another time where we always used to kind of goof off a little bit in the in the morning show when we could. Uh, so this is with you know the current team with Matt, Pam, and Karen. Uh, a story came in that there was a wreck on the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike and it involved a truck carrying sheep and that the sheep were all over the road. Well, now you know something <laughs> in the crew starts going, ah. so we're all like ah. Then we get like a thing from our executive producer. Stop it. The sheep are dead. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so now we're playing it safe for about like five minutes. And then the word comes back. Oh, that was that was wrong. The sheep are still alive. 
and the whole studio was like, ah, again. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a problem with certain stories, but that one we were really busting at God. And, you know, then I could give you a hundred times where Matt O'Donnell would just do something so funny. He would do stuff like during the commercial break, right up to the second we're on the air, and you'd just be grabbing your gut. <laughs> oh, I got goosed by the Philly Fanatic one time on the air, too. That was good. Those are really oh, nice. Yeah, they used to do uh, Paint the Town Red right before the Phillies would. Yeah, the start of the season. So yeah. Philly Fanatic was in the studio one time, and he's standing next to me during a tee shot, and I'm like, and coming up, we got the weather. <laughs> <laughs> The guy, the fanatic's best friend, I think they call him. He's a really funny guy, and uh, you mm. know, it, it was pretty good. I don't want to blow anything for him, but I mean, it was really funny. He walks into the studio, and you know, I'm like, "Hey, it's the Philly fanatic." It's like seeing Big Bird or you know a Muppet or something, and I'm like, "Hey, Philly fanatic," and I just hear from inside the costume, "Hey, Dave." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the guy never spoke. No matter how many times you run into him, he never spoke, so you never know who was in the costume, but. Uh, Dave Wallencheck from Redline Radio LLC and Steel City Renegades says hello. And uh, Dave and those guys are getting ready to move into a brand new studio, which is going to be really nice coming up in January. So congratulations to them, uh, which I'm a part of. They're Steel City Renegades. You can catch it on Facebook on Sunday nights from 7 to 9 o'clock. We have about two more shows to wrap up before the season. A couple more, actually, before the season's over. So, But now it, it's got to be, speaking about Rick, by the way, Rick Williams, he has to be, which I was going to ask one of those questions, that how – much of a comedian he has to be because no matter who works alongside of him, either they get Rick or they don't get him. And I know with Monica Melpass, I used to like, there wasn't a day that wouldn't go by when those two wouldn't go at it. And it was just absolutely hilarious. And and that's a, that's a two team combination that I absolutely miss. I miss Monica Melpass being there right next to him. Yeah. Rick, Rick is uh, in particular was a really funny guy and, and really great. And, and, you know, the other nice thing that I learned from that show was that, and I've said this to Rick many times that I kind of owe my career to, to those guys because when, when I was first asked to think about doing the weather, you know, AccuWeather did all of the science. It was, we were just reporters reporting the weather back then. And then they changed it and we all became meteorologists. I was, went to school for four years to learn all that stuff. But in the beginning, you know, it was just you were reporting it. You got on the phone and talked with somebody from AccuWeather and you put magnetic numbers on a map, our old time viewers. Right. How yeah. that and, uh, you know, so I said, yeah, sure, because I was dumb and always said yes to things and then worried about whether or not I could actually do it later. It's actually not a bad way to be in your career when you're young. And uh, they said, well, don't worry, we'll give you plenty of training. So, you know, I went in there and, you know, the guy who was doing the weather, I followed him around two days. Well, the third day he calls out sick and here I am on the air and I'm like, <laughs> and Rick and Monica knew that, you know, this was not going to be easy. So, like, as they were teasing the beginning of the show, it's like, and for the first time ever, Dave Murphy's going to be doing the weather, and you want to set your VCRs because this is liable to be his first time doing it. He's liable to really be, like, you know, nuts. I mean, you know, like a riot. <laughs> um, and right away, they got you into the joking, and they, they made you a part of the family. And years later, when it was our show, and, you know, Matt, Tam, and Karen and I were doing it, um, whenever we'd have somebody new coming in to fill in, particularly for the first couple of times, we really went out of our way to try and make them part of the part of the team. And, you know, when there was four shot teasers or something, I'd just stop and say, hey, you know, you're doing a pretty good job. You know, Maggie, <laughs> well, you know, just try and loosen them up and, and make sure that they knew that they definitely were welcome. Um, and 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 I think back to the Gary Papa moment when he just reached out and helped me out as a young person. 
I, I know personally how, how much that means and how much help it can be. So sometimes I would just send emails to like, you know, a new reporter if I really felt, and I wouldn't do it unless I felt like they deserved it, but you know, we hire good people. And uh, if I thought they did something really good in a standup, particularly if it was on our show, I'd send them an email and you know, you, I, it was just really nice hearing like how effusive the response was. They're like, Oh my God, this means so much to me. And you know, thanks. And, but I think you got to, you know, especially when you've got young people coming in, they're the future right. of, the, of the station. Exactly. Right. Up a little bit, you know, if, if tell them when they're doing a good job. Oh, I think the camaraderie, camaraderie you had in the morning for 17 years was phenomenal. I mean, you could just tell yourself and Karen yeah, and everybody just had a great time laughing and joking. Yeah. And they all bring their own, uh, you know, special skills to the deal, too. Karen is just a really warm hearted person. And I think that comes across. She's very smart and really she and I are kind of similar that way. And that we both really, really, really wanted to do a good job. And one of you guys was saying, like, sometimes if you didn't feel like you got it, I think, Angel, you were saying if you got it perfectly correct, you're like, ah, you know, and yeah. we both really got us there and make right. us double down to really make sure that we took care of whatever that problem was and did better the next time. Uh, Tam is like the most book read person I've ever met. She is like mm -hmm. she used to be a reporter at Time magazine and she worked for oh, ABC, well. yeah, down in uh, for the Washington Bureau. She was doing stuff for them. So she just had this world knowledge that kind of went beyond what a lot of local anchors would have. And then Matt is just fearless, Matt O'Donnell. He just is, uh, you know, when they first put him on that broadcast, they were trying him out for about three or four months before they, you know, gave it to him, at least a couple of months. Uh, and I was already like doing basically, I had already been assigned to the morning show as the weather guy. And he was real young when he started. He'd only just started at the station as a reporter a few years before, I think. Um, but he just had this, like, I'm climbing into the driver's seat and I'm keeping us on the road attitude. Right. And he also is a great writer and just has facts in his head all the time. And to this day, you know, he will look at a script in the morning before the show and sometimes during the show and get mm -hmm. on the computer and make changes to it, you know, wow. to get more what he feels it should be. Um, uh, so he's just got this fearlessness and he's also like, you know, a frat boy who's still in college to some degree. Right. I mean, just... He's so funny. And uh, so I would say, yeah, his two big things were obviously he's super intelligent and really, you know, knowledgeable about what's going on. But uh, he's also got that right combination of uh, uh, sense of humor, which is really helpful in the morning, uh, but also that I'm in control uh, feeling. You always wow. felt comfortable when he was sitting there. Just like I said, the chemistry on there was sucking and on. You just seem like you, before you enjoy your job and, yeah. You know, the chemistry just flowed yeah. perfectly. Yeah, it just, really did. And, and it was, it wasn't a lie. I mean, it was because we really did get along well. Right. I, I have the distinction though. <laughs> I, I think I had been over to the other's houses at least once. Karen would throw parties every now and then and Matt every now and then. And then Tam, I was definitely at her first place at least once. None of them ever made it to this house until <laughs> the station asked if they could shoot a commercial for the morning team here. <laughs> for the Oscars, and we were all supposed to be getting to bed because we're, you know, not able to stay up and watch the Oscars, but we'll tell you what happened. That was sort of the idea. And I told them all, and they all, you know, it was 
to my house, I guess. But I all told him I, I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> like I never went <laughs> to dinner or something. But we just don't do that a whole lot, you know. We have family over a lot, but uh, you know, we're not big party throwers, I guess. Anyway, they all got a chance to see the the crib eventually. <laughs> Was there like ever any outtakes from like uh, the morning? Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, stuff that happens live, they, they used to do a better job of sort of capturing that sort of thing and, and you know, making blooper reels sometimes uh, for right. in-house, but they kind of got away from that. I think just because everybody got too busy, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, uh, right. between social media and everything else, it's just a busier job than it used to be. But uh, uh, they're all in my head, though. <laughs> no, that would bet. Uh, Sean Kilrain, by the way, good uh, good friend of the show here. He keeps coming back every single week. Sean, we appreciate you. He says, what's up, guys? Check this stat out. Historic rushing numbers. The Eagles are averaging 160 rushing yards per game, which puts them in range of the modern-day franchise record of 160.4 rushing yards per game set in 2013. Chip Kelly's first season. The 1949 Eagles averaged 217.3 rushing yards per game, but that 160.4 figure is the highest since 1950. That's some great knowledge there by Sean. Wow. That's, that's quite amazing. And we'll, we'll see what happens tonight, too, because, again, you, you know, again, a little banged up on the Eagles side and no code protocol related stuff going on with D.C. because uh, they have Garrett Gilbert, if I remember, is the starting QB, which he was just signed not too long ago. He was so just it, signed off the uh, Patriots practice squad. Wow. Yeah, yeah that bodes well for us, right? You know, uh, yeah, like Chip, Chip Kelly's first year, he was already doing that hurry up offense right away, right? Yeah, yeah. So first year. I guess you, if you had run, they were getting a lot of opportunities because every 30 seconds there was a play. Well, the, oh, first, yeah. the first two years, Chip Kelly got him the 10 and 6, and then the third year, Lurie pulled the plug. Yeah, yeah. And well, it was a, I honestly, I don't know how you could sustain that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, those guys must just have been totally out of gas after the first five or six year, uh, weeks of the season. But wow. uh, but anyway, when you talk about all-time rushing, well, there would be a reason maybe you were just doing more plays, um, although they were, they were passing too then. But this team, that doesn't surprise me because, you know, even when Miles Sanders goes out on injury, they got two other guys. Oh, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell was a nice pick out of Memphis, which – I think, he, you know, they should be getting him more involved in the offense. And, you know, Jordan Howard on the practice squad for eight weeks was a disgrace. Like, yeah. you know, he could be starting anywhere pretty much in the NFL. And, you know, my, the guy's a nice bell cow. My son-in-law loves Howard. He, he's always like, oh, they should run that guy. Yeah. I mean, he's in his second stint with the Eagles. I don't – I was, like, shaking my head. Why is Jordan Howard on the practice squad? Yeah, yeah. Like – you know, you mix it up and just let him go. And I mean, he had the most yards the first right. few weeks. He just Sirianni started decide to mix it up and run the ball. So you wonder if he had done that from the outset. Well, hey, yeah, close games there. It was hey, Dave. Before we got a couple of minutes here before we end the show, but uh, I want to want to get your take on how long do you think? this MLB lockout will happen. And then what's your feeling for at least the 2022, uh, our beloved fellow Phillies of what they expect for next season? First of all, I think these both sides, they can't be stupid enough to delay the season. I mean, even spring training games are, they make money, you know? 
So, but I'm also reading that they're not really going to get to the core economic issues until after the new year. So they're definitely pushing it. Uh, my feeling is they're going to reach a compromise where you're going to see things like uh, a minimum uh, floor on salary for teams, and maybe they're going to bump up uh, rookie players' salaries a little bit, but some of the other stuff the players won't get. Um, so I think they'll settle it. And my prediction is the season will happen on time. I hope so. Cause I just added a second freaking uh, season ticket partial plan. I'm going from 13 <laughs> games to 30 games. And this will be the year they decide not to play. Uh, <laughs> it's the year I can stay up and watch these games. Uh, and what's going to happen with the Phillies. Hey, I don't know because you know, there's a bunch of players not signed and they haven't done a whole lot yet. Right. So, uh, and we don't know what the, uh, salary cap, you know, the uh, penalty. All jury tax. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it could be that they. Well, that's, that. that's the problem where I don't have, you know, if John Middleton really wants to go over that luxury tax. I mean, well, yeah. if you want to play with the Mets, the Yankees, the Red Sox, Houston, whoever, I mean, you got to pay, pay the money. And yeah, especially the Mets now. I do think that you're going to see another big outfield signing for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in another maybe like five or six million dollar a year uh, right. uh, relief pitcher. I don't know what they're doing in center field. Honestly, I don't know. But if you get Kyle Schwarber, who can maybe play left field, maybe you just try and do Hazley or some combination of Moniac mm -hmm. and Hazley, and you just live with that. And if you get the DH, those guys are batting ninth. Right. I mean, yeah. I go after Chris Bryant. He can play center. He can play third. I feel you know, like – I guess I feel like Chris Bryant's numbers are coming down a little bit. And I know everybody's not in on the bone bandwagon, but I'm always looking at salaries and the financial part of it. And bone right. is a premium position. And he's not making any money. And that's if they can get him right or even halfway right, that kind of takes care of that. You know, I mean, the defense was atrocious last year. <laughs> you know, and he was I think bone can play first base too at that height. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Paul Reese Hoskins at DH. I guess, although, you know, they're probably going to want to put uh, Real Muto at first or DH occasionally right. to his knees. I mean, he's you know going to start getting right. older. I don't know. It's fascinating. I, I will boldly say that there is going to be uh, another big signing for the offense. Yeah, there's uh, got to be. And yeah. they're not going to do anything else with the starting pitching, but there will probably be another reliever. I don't know what they're going to do in center field. There just isn't that many, many more options out there for them. But I do right. think – playoffs and honestly part of the bargaining process is probably going to be adding some more playoff teams yep that's true i'm going to bring up two last comments here what is kathleen from uh or sorry she says fly eagles fly but kathleen by the way i did see your post on facebook and we are the official podcaster of eagles mania i will say congratulations to looks like the success of your toy drive between you rich bridge the entire gang uh, Kathleen, great job putting that together. I saw the smiles on the kids' faces. That's absolutely incredible. I know you guys have been working on it since prior to Thanksgiving. And next year, we see, we, we'll see if we can make it bigger and better for next year. But congratulations to, uh, to you. And also, Sean says, I'm also hoping Ryan Kerrigan has a big game. But look at his stats. Kerrigan recorded 95.5 quarterback sacks in 10 seasons with Washington. And tonight will be the first matchup against this former team. You guys think he steps up. Good show again, guys. Thank you, Sean. And enjoy your retirement, Dave. Go Phillies. All right. Thanks. <laughs> no, and by the way, everyone, and those who missed out, once again, you'll see plenty of Dave. Five-year contract here with Broad Street South. He's going to be <laughs> talking about Phillies all the time. <laughs> 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 so we'll make sure we got all that fill-in from the Phillies, Phillies uh uh, all that, all that good fun stuff. But uh, thank you, yes, it was amazing. Thank you, Kathleen. Uh, that was incredible by, by you and uh, by Eagles Mania. What happened there, uh, Fooch? 
I was going to say Eagles Productions for the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, 2417 Birds. What do you think, Pooch? No, you can go. You can go next. I, I wish I would say this is a blowout. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what everybody believes, even though Washington is going through our protocols right now. I, I think it'd be a low scoring event. I think it might be a 17 14 birds. Wow. Huh. 30 to 16 birds. 30. Yeah. You might be right. Well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll all find out. And by the way, to all our sponsors, we do appreciate everyone uh, who continues to sponsor the show in the air and helping us out. Uh, one is to Big Sarge at bigsargesports.com. Uh, thanks to Big Sarge and Andy Kalou. By the way, this week, let me take this banner away for a second. If you guys are joining us this Thursday, N.D. Kalu, the former defensive end that uh, currently hosts in the trenches on Sports Talk 790 in Houston from 10 to 12 Central Standard Time, uh, 11 to 1 here Eastern Standard Time. He will be with us this Thursday. So look out for N.D. Kalu coming up this Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Now I'll get back here to our sponsors. Uh, thanks to Tampa Joe's. And uh, everyone, please visit TampaJoes.com and or go to 9316 Anderson Road with a gang of Philly to South is there tonight, home of the Eagles. Uh, they are there tonight supporting the team, and we hope that you patronize and support Tampa Joe's as much as we do. Mike Goodwin does a great job down there with the restaurant. All the upgrades that he's done to his facility has been absolutely phenomenal. So thank you to Mike Goodwin and everybody on Tampa Joe's. Also for Goose's Money Crystal Lounge and Tobacconist, if you guys need a great tobacco-flavored cigar and or a vape, and you must be over 21 years old, please visit them at 250 West Ridge Pike in Limerick, Pennsylvania, and or Royersford, Pennsylvania, uh, 19408, if I remember the zip code correctly. But uh, again, Gooses, you can go to CigarGoose.com and look for your finest money crystals online or go see a humidor out there at location. Also to Larry Gilman for LG Direct Sales Solutions. We do appreciate it, of course, that he writes here to the studio, and you guys can reach him at lgdirect.net. And once again, lgdirect.net and or at 855-777-3863 for all your secured credit card payment solutions and also for apparel. So make sure you visit them. And also don't forget also about fanatics.com, officially licensed everything. Fanatics.com, pick up all your sports gear at fanatics.com. And I see a couple of last comments coming in here before we go away. Kathleen says... Uh, 27-17 Eagles. That's a good score. Yep. Sean, 28-21. By the way, Michelle, good to see you, at least uh, here virtually. I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas. You as well. We haven't seen you in a while. So good to see you back here. Uh, let's go, Eagles. Have a wonderful Christmas and night. Go, Birds. Thank you, Kathleen. And thank you, fam. Great show. Go, Birds. So for everyone tonight, we do appreciate everyone tuning in. Again, thanks to everyone who came back for the uh, episode uh, 100. That was a lot of fun. That was great. So thanks to everyone who came back. Murph, thank you for coming on again with us tonight. We do appreciate it. That's a lot Dave of fun. Was, thanks. Dave, it was a pleasure meeting you tonight and having you on. Thank you. Come back on again. Okay. Great. Five, have you. five years. Don't forget five years. So everybody just remember that. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> next time. How much I put it up there? <laughs> but for my producer, Debbie, over there at Studio B, for Mike Fuji out in Philly. Again, thank you to David Murphy. Everyone, enjoy the game. Enjoy the night. We'll see you Thursday night with Andy Kalu. Yep.